0: Welcome to episode two of Bean Pod by Upshot, the only Upshot podcast available. My name is Blake, I'm the head roaster here at Upshot, and this is our second podcast of many to be recorded. But first, before we dive into the conversation today, let me uh, introduce the boys real quick. Connor. How are we doing, my man? Feeling great. Looking good today. I tell you that. Yeah, put my makeup Got some on. nice glasses on. Hair's looking good, dude. Got a little bit of dog hair in your shirt. Manifest, but it looks good. manifest. Yeah, a little little some plug. Custom sunglasses. We'll get into manifest at some point, now. No. Yeah,
1: of course. Okay,
0: well, uh, <laughs> Drew, how are we doing, man? Staying busy? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, man of not many words, right, Drew? Yes, yes, man of many words, man of many words, Drew. <laughs> Our uh, what, uh, spreadsheet guy, we call him. Sure. But yeah, boys, I'm, 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 I'm happy to be here for our second pod. This is uh, the first one I thought put in pretty well. We got some good feedback. But today we got a whole other uh, topic, and it's over our roast style. Before we do that, let me give a little summary real quick. What is this podcast? We're aiming to inform our customers, regulars, coffee nerds, really anybody that wants to listen about the ins and outs of upshot, what it's like to work here, new projects coming up. What coffees do we have hit in the shops in the future? Really, we just want to give you guys some insight. And today, like I said, our topic is our roast style. And before we dive into that, let me give a little just uh, our foundation. We're a third wave coffee shop, which in short means we heavily focus on the quality of our coffee. Um, many shops don't really claim to have incredible coffee. A lot of them emphasize like speed over anything else or sweet drinks. Um, But here at Upshot, our mission is to give our customers the best coffee experience, really. In order for us to accomplish this, we believe that light-roasted coffee really is the way to go. Um, And a massive part of this process includes our farmers. We cannot have a good product without the hard work that they put in to their harvest. And this is the foundation that we sit on at Upshot. Yes, we do have sweet drinks, and yes, we do focus on quick ticket times. But overall, we want to emphasize the coffee at all costs. And that brings us to our roast style. So our first question for today is, what does light-roasted coffee mean? And it's kind of a two-part. And how does that highlight the farmer's work? What does that really mean? So you guys, somebody wants to touch on that first question is, what is light-roasted coffee? What does that mean?
1: To me, what light-roasted coffee means is that we are roasting it to highlight the best-tasting notes that are already present in that bean. Yeah. So we're not trying to distract anything within that bean By you tasting us getting in the way with the way that we roasted, so it's highlighting what's already there. And oftentimes, what we found is that you know the lighter we can roast that, the more delicately we can roast that. The more you taste those coming forward if we do it correctly, and the less you taste um, any of the defects in the coffee or any of the actual roasting or the roaster's mistakes themselves. Mm -hmm.
0: Roaster's mistakes
1: doesn't happen here, of course. (laughs) But I mean, I've heard it happens at other operations that are a little bit sloppier.
0: We don't make mistakes here at the Upshot Roastery. (laughs) not a thing so if you taste our coffee no mistakes not a thing but yeah light roast it's a, i think that's a good little summary drew you got anything to add to that yeah just really uh trying to highlight
2: what the farmers yep. are doing mm-hmm. the processing the varietal you want all of it to kind of show through and i yep. think that light roast is the best way to do that i also don't like bitter flavors that much mm-hmm. so i mean i
0: people love bitter flavors i know a lot of customers not me. come in and go let me get like the boldest cup you have. And I'm like, well, we've got some really good, tasty, delicate coffees. And they're like, no, I just want something dark. Yeah. I kind of, I call it the overcooked steak concept, right? We were talking about this a little bit before, that when you get a low quality steak, um, overcooking it is typically the best way to go because when you undercook it, it's really, it's just not a good experience. But when you get a high quality steak, uh, and if you overcook that, a lot of people will be like, you're ruining it um so a lot of people will do like a medium rare a nice pink steak because it is high quality and that showcases the best version of that steak so that's kind of how I, how I look at coffee is we source um high quality coffee that is not meant to be overcooked and that's what the light roast kind of style revolves around if you had a low quality coffee and you wanted to you know undercook it it probably wouldn't be the best you know um Outcome, And that I feel like here we only focus on uh, high quality beans that we can uh, roast light. And that's kind of, um, I feel like our whole foundation in many ways of what Upshot is. So even if, you know, you get a brown sugar vanilla latte in shop, it's still going to be quality beans. Yep. Um, and we do develop a little bit more for espresso, which is a whole nother conversation. But, but yeah, I feel like that's a good little uh, segue into how does it highlight the farmer's work? How does the light roast, we talked about it, that it does highlight their work, but how does, what does that exactly mean? that's kind of a, that's a tough one, I would say, to explain.
2: I mean, I think that your analogy with the steak, uh, does a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. Just really trying to alter it the least we can. Yeah. Um, but also roasting it in such a way that we bring out the best of what it can offer. Mm Um, And that's a really hard balance to strike. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I don't think everything is also the best roasted, just light as hell. Yeah, no. And that's that's one of the ways, like, it's up to us to represent the farmers well Mm -hmm. in the decisions we make and how to do that. Because not everything is going to be the same and you Mm -hmm. do have to do things differently.
1: I also think sometimes we do a little bit of a disservice by only talking about light roast, medium roast, dark roast, because I think that's something that people can kind of get stuck on. And it really doesn't allow people to actually just think about the coffee itself. Mm, Right. right? Like, I feel like that's something when we say we only do light roast or this is only light roast or we only drink light roast. um, I know what we mean by that, but I'm not sure that that translates to everyone in the way that we want. So I think it's something we have to be careful with there, too, of just saying we roast to highlight the best of what is in that bean. Right. Rather than we only drop at 398, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's really, you know, this is terminology we're using to describe kind of this process in coffee that we, we follow and we've learned through. But I think we do have to be careful and just say that, you know, light roast isn't always the best thing for everything that that's out there, or even everything that we do. There there's some things that just need to be developed a little bit better to find the perfect caramelizations of the sugar, whatever it may be. So I think that's something we can talk about too is just how we – Use this terminology of light roast, but I don't necessarily only want to be completely boxed in with that. Where someone that has only drank a medium or a dark roast refuses to try anything because they just think something has to be darker.
0: Right. Right. And I feel like the farmers on the, like when they're actually working, they, I mean, a harvest takes a long time to really like get these cherries, uh, not like, you know, grown, picked, and then harvested, that they put so much work into. They're you know they're beans that you know when you then cook those really, really heavily, you know you kind of just take away from all that work. and I really think that's the idea of highlighting their work instead of just masking it with you know a heavy you know uh, roast charcoal flavor. and that's kind of what where I would say um, highlighting their work is is when we when they do a great job and then we roast them like you can taste the cherry, you can taste the floral notes and when you over roast it, you then taste stuff that you're roasting. You taste I, the I roast. I think it's
1: the same concept if we're, if we're thinking about it is if you have this incredible uh, harvest of grapes that could be used in some of the finest wines you know, in the world – And instead, someone buys an entire lot and throws it into sangria that they sell in a box at Sam's Club. That's probably not the best use of those grapes. And that farmer is probably going to feel like even if you were able to make a bunch of money doing that, that's probably not the best use of his work. And so I think that's the way we're looking at coffee is that if we're able to have this incredible raw ingredient, it's our job to see it through to the best version of what it is. And not just throw it into a sangria and sell three billion of them. Yeah,
0: very sweet. Yeah, totally. that's a a good
1: uh if we want an analogy it's like just don't get in the way of this incredible product because that's an insult to the all the work work. that went into that product which is why we're paying you know 650 a pound for that instead of commodity coffee that's picked by machine on flat ground with no elevation that's got pesticides all over it and it's you know a dollar 98 a pound we can make a lot more money with that but when we roast it the way that we roast that tastes like commodity coffee Mm -hmm. right agreed and that's And that has its place, right? That's That's a very useful thing for those farmers and those operations that use it, and it's grown for a specific reason. It's just not a reason that we would use. not us,
0: yeah. And I think that's a good segue is my next question really is what is, like, the compromise, right? So is Upshot not for somebody that likes dark roasted coffee? Can Upshot satisfy that customer, do you guys think? Or do you think really, like... Because I, you know, I've got my own uh, my thought on this, but like, where do you guys see that? Do you think um, Upshot is a place for somebody that enjoys a little bit more developed coffee?
2: I think uh, I think that even though we don't have anything that's like dark, we still have flavor profiles that would, you know, yeah, be nice. yeah in yeah. line with what they're looking for. Uh, like right now, our Guatemala honey is nice developed sugars Mm -hmm. not dark right right? we're still we it's still light uh but we do see some more sugars some nice sweet Mm -hmm. subtle acidity something like that would fit somebody that is traditionally looking for a dark roast yeah a lot better um
0: call it our crowd pleaser yes kind of
2: one of those deals Pleases everybody. Everybody likes it. Yeah. Well,
1: I think if you're able to have that conversation with the customer of like so translate what that means to you. Like, what are you looking for in the coffee? I think oftentimes we if we if we take the time to have that conversation, we can find something and maybe open that dialogue and you know, give them something they're gonna be very happy with and then maybe get them to understand why they're happy with that. And you know, we don't really want to shut those doors, but at the same time, um, if you just want to come in and have a dark roast that tastes like burnt rubber, and that's all you want to taste in your coffee, Mm -hmm. then it's probably going to be hard for me to match that up. I'm going to do my best, obviously, because I want you as a customer and I want (laughs) you to learn the way that we do coffee. And I don't want to just shut that door and say, you're not welcome here because you don't drink what we drink. Um, but I think that is, would be a challenge. Sometimes it's, it's hard to make that happy because that's just not a viable thing for us. But can we have a conversation that finds a fit within what we do and maybe starts to change that a little bit and, you know, we can create some education in that process You know, that's, that would be something that I would try to do.
0: Right. Well, and I I think like um, we've seen this where we've had people come over to our roastery that say that they enjoy like dark roasted coffee. I've had um, some of my neighbors over that love dark roasts. And then I throw all these coffees on and their favorites regularly aren't the dark roasts because they're like, oh, that compared to this cup tastes not great. Like I, you know, I've always drank this coffee, but there's something about this lighter kind of washed columbia that that reminds me of that dark roast but all in the the best ways yep Uh, you don't get that really that that harshness that that kind of mutes the cup and um so sometimes it's just an education thing i feel like Uh, we all have
1: preconceived notions right right? and so sometimes it's just blind saying okay I, i hear everything that you're saying but now let's just taste things together and you tell me what you like and a lot of times we don't even know why it is that we like things or why we got to that notion. And so we're able to break those walls down and then actually have a conversation.
0: Right. And I think it kind of touches on our next podcast that will be over green coffee sourcing. It kind of will touch on that as well. But it also contributes to why our coffee is not the cheapest coffee, right? You go in and buy a $20 bag of coffee compared to a $9 bag um, at, you know, Schnucks and, and people are saying, well, why are they so different? Um, And it is because of that quality. It is because we are spending more money on that green coffee. And I think the next podcast will really dive into that of why is that bag 20? Are you just trying to scam me or, you know, is there a whole method to this? And of course there's a method to it. And that's why we we put a lot of hard work in to getting a cheaper coffee that still is very, you know, beautiful and and has got all the intricacies because you still can overpay for a coffee that doesn't need to be you know, an $8 a pound coffee that you get yeah. a similar. Cause we've seen that here at the roastery. We have a cup that's, you know, a $6 a pound and it's better than an $8. And we, we would rather have that $6 over the $8 a pound. Um,
2: and same with the $4 over the six.
0: Yeah. Very similar. Happens it's, all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where uh, the, the whole green coffee episode will be really interesting for most, I think, because it really does touch on why we price things the way we do and why, Um, all the work that goes into that and what that looks like. Um, So how is our... You you have something else to say?
2: I did just want to make a comment about uh, talking about how we have something that we can offer for people who enjoy dark roast um, and that they shouldn't kind of close off those doors. I think it's important to also do the same when you're really hardcore into the light roast, like Nordic coffees, right? Um, Because a lot of people are like we'll die on a hill that's the only way you can have a coffee <laughs> mm-hmm. but sometimes the more developed sugars i f- i feel suit coffee's better and mm-hmm. i think that it's definitely like a two-way street no doubt be open-minded
0: right and I, I mean i just got back from germany spent a week there and i felt like every single cafe was this very like turkish style like dark coffee and everybody like loved it Um, And it did take a little bit for me to not just like dismiss cafes I go into and I get a shot of espresso and I'd be like, wow, that's a lot. But like (laughs) trying to, well, it was right. I mean, from a light roast perspective, when you have a dark roasted shot of espresso, it is just bold and it's like right in your face. Um, But I will say to people, if you're looking for caffeine, a lot of people think that that dark roast, um, that dark roast has more caffeine because it is bolder, but actually light roast has more caffeine in it so that's a little fun fact if you want uh if you want more caffeine in your cup get a light roast may cost you a little bit more but yeah.
2: especially our coffees the way that we brew them they're pretty strong as well so <laughs> yeah. you're getting a lot of caffeine
0: right and there is some like um uh, patrick roth he, he like almost extracts his coffee it seems like mm-hmm. where we're we're more in like that middle range where we like properly extracted coffee
2: come back for a full podcast about extraction
0: yes that is <laughs> that I mean, could be
1: literally like six podcasts
0: we, we, we I have could talk for hours. so many ideas we have we could have a whole podcast on just the water we use mm-hmm. and that's something that we do a lot of work on of just like what kind of water we're using and and making your own brews of water and typically when you bring that up people are like huh brews of water that you're then brewing coffee with like what does that yeah. mean what's harder water hardness ppm like what is all that so yeah, stick around, guys, because we have so much content. That could be another
1: podcast, boys. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> well, and it will will be another podcast. Um, so I've got one more kind of question, and this is kind of a teaser for the next episode. But how is our sourcing at Upshot from our coffee, bringing in the green coffee, different than? And we kind of touched on this a little bit than like a shop like Starbucks. How are our beans different than a shop like Starbucks?
1: Well, I've never been inside a massive Starbucks roastery, so I can only guess. Assume, yeah. That's a good... But I would imagine they need massive amounts of volume based on kind of what we see and what we just assume uh, existing in the world. Um, The the, the batch sizes they're going on, the cost that they need. I mean, I would imagine it's... You know, whereas we're doing very small lots with very small farms with very specific things. And we're doing, you know, when you when you roast a big batch, a big batch for us is like 14.75 pounds. Mm-hmm. Right. Which ends up with a 15 percent loss. So what are you at? half 13 pounds yeah. at the end of the roast. Right. Um, that's totally different than if you have a, you know, 100 kilo roaster that's right. auto fed and it has a fixed curve in it. And not saying it's better or worse, but it's very different.
0: Right. Um, it's in- better. we're biased but yes i do believe it's better and when you look at a starbucks bean it's like scary dark yeah it's like there's oils popping out there's just like all this um i don't know there's a different chemical process that happens when you do a a dark roast there's a there's an actual another crack that the coffee goes through and since we're on roasting Uh, coffee cracks around like 390 degrees it pops like popcorn basically and then if you continue to cook that then you get another crack and that basically tells you that it is now hitting the dark rose phase um and the crack is a different sound but it is pretty crazy when you get people in here that have never seen roasting done and they're like what is going on it's like the coffee has this energy within it that at a certain temperature it like expands and the energy wants to come out um but I would assume a lot of Starbucks roasting is hitting that second crack that we don't even get close to. Like we're, you know, 10, 15 degrees away from even being in that process. The, our roast times are like from nine to 10 minutes, and Starbucks is probably, you know, and they have a lot bigger batches, which which infects us. They're probably around 12 to 15, I would assume. I mean, they're. Yeah, if not longer. Probably, yeah, there's probably 20 minute roasts out there that um, I've never even thought about diving into we've roasted one dark roast before here for um, an ice cream company. Um, and it was, it was hard to do for me. It was like, <laughs> it was, it felt just like wrong, but this is kind of going to that same level of like, you kind of have to educate yourself on it and cause people love it. And, but I think
1: this is important because I think this is kind of what I've, one of my assumptions about Starbucks and it ties into the ice cream is anytime you're trying to get a coffee flavor through heavy cream and sugar, Mm -hmm. Yes, you have to develop it more because you're trying to taste essentially the roast of that coffee. You're getting that coffee note and it's got to come through so much, so many things that are masking it that oftentimes like if Starbucks were to just start light roasting things that were to go into their frappuccinos, Mm -hmm. there'd be a riot because it would taste horrible. And then they'd be wasting a bunch of money on really high end coffee to just go and essentially right frozen drinks that are essentially milkshakes right so like the way that we had to roast that darker for the ice cream lady to be able to infuse that into her cream and sugar base and actually get a coffee note that people will enjoy it's not about strawberry and blueberry and lemongrass and all these delicate tasting notes going through it's like i need to taste some kind of coffee coming through all the distractions and so i think when we look at starbucks you know the way that they roast for a lot of those drinks is based on their business, right? Yeah. It's not that necessarily they don't want to be doing something else, right? But I mean, we've we've come to the same terms here. Our espresso was really light roasted in the beginning, right? And mm-hmm. what did we find out when that's trying to come through a BSV or it's trying to come through something else, a brown sugar vanilla latte with cream? Um, it can get lost in there. So we've started to develop our espresso. What? longer. Yeah. I mean, it's very minor, but it's something that gets us to a more balanced note that works well with a brown sugar vanilla latte or a cream. Because the reality is we sell a ton of those. Yeah. Right? We also still need our espresso to be incredibly, incredible tasting as a single origin shot or a cortado or a cappuccino. So we have this middle ground where we develop a tad bit more to get an espresso roast, you know, air quotes, which is nothing like most people's espresso roasts. But we develop a little bit more to get through that cream, too. Starbucks is on a whole other level of the amount of that they need to deal with. I think with
2: that, too, we also hit an interesting point before because uh, I think before, even just for regular espresso, we were almost so light to where it was difficult to dial in. It was. You were working with such a small range where it tasted right that it just took forever. And I think that developing our espresso more... Has made our regular espresso more beautiful. Oh yeah, and sweeter, a yes, little bit more chocolate more to it, and
0: um, it, it works well in a uh, cortado, uh, which is you know a small milk ratio, One and more. it works really well in a, a caramel latte, which is we all we mean. I, keep, I love my, my my caramel lattes here and there even though i i love a cap yeah uh, you, you can look at it you know? like a dessert i mean right, it's, right.
1: it's a nice treat once in a while but i think you know the majority of us we enjoy ice cream we enjoy maybe a caramel latte once in on a blue moon but obviously the the reason we're in coffee is to drink yeah <laughs> yeah black coffee
0: and that kind of brings us to um and we're looking to get a single origin espresso on so next to that um, that the you know, more developed coffee that will be in kind of every drink, with, no matter what. If like, ch- it'll be a little cheaper. It'll be popping out a little bit more in a sugar latte. Um, a single origin is what we're trying to get on, so have another option on espresso to where it's going to be a little bit more of a price, but also it is a little lighter, um, higher quality coffee, and it works like beautiful in a cortado. Rather than making the beans work for a cortado and um, uh, a caramel latte. So we're trying to add that to our rotation to where we give our customers a little bit more variety instead of getting one bean to fit all platforms.
1: Yeah, I think as someone that loves drinking espresso, which I would say all three of us do, um, the espresso that goes in our brown sugar vanilla latte is delicious. But when we go into a shop, we oftentimes want to try a guest espresso too in our cortado or our cappuccino that's going to have let's say just typical light roasted tasting notes, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be very brute or very bright. It's going to be very acidic very floral. The things that maybe distract in a caramel latte is exactly what I want to taste in my single origin espresso. And so that's kind of the purpose of that is like, we can have this home run that works for all these things and is our base. But then when you want to taste an orange sickle in your Cortado, Mm -hmm. because of that very special light roasted single origin, um, coffee, we can do these incredible things where the coffee translates with milk in a special way that is very unique and different right. than what we're trying to do with a caramel latte or brown sugar vanilla.
0: And I find that like, and I'm probably I'm sure a lot of people know this that are listening to our podcast right now, but uh, just the idea of a single origin is that the coffee we're using is just from one region. If it's Guatemala, Colombia, uh, Nicaragua, that. You're not getting a blend of a Guatemala and a Colombia, or a Brazil and a Colombia, but a single origin would be you're just tasting that Guatemala. Um,
2: And specifically the same farm as well, typically. Right. right. Um, Unless if it's like a regional mix. And then
1: it's one unique washing station. Right. Right. It's
2: it's all specific, one lot.
1: And you can taste
0: some more intricacy through that. Um, Typically, you get... A little yeah. bit more clarity. Well,
1: and I think the cool thing about that is, and it's, you know, when I go back to my history in chocolate of Bean DeMar making chocolate, experimenting with the cacao, like the really interesting thing about single farm, single origin, coffee, chocolate, anything, is like you will never, ever taste that again. Yeah, Like that is from climate. That is from processing. Those are things that will never, ever repeat in the exact same way again. So like when you get to enjoy a single farm, single crop cup of coffee that we've roasted, even if we have that exact same cup exact same bean from that exact same farm, the exact same way, that's not the same coffee next year. Yeah. There's going to be variation, So it's really of like taking one moment in time and you get one chance to, you know, like one chance to enjoy that. And I've had, you know, chocolates that I still remember, coffees that I still remember this day that when I had them, I'm like, good Lord, that was like incredible knowing that I will never taste that exact same thing again.
2: Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, It's also just good to give people another option for how they can enjoy the coffee because uh, i i really want to start pushing single o's a little more yeah i think that we've got some incredible coffees right now and uh i think espresso is just another great way for people to experience them
0: yeah and there's something beautiful about getting like a single origin Columbia pour over and then getting that same bean on espresso. And yeah. Then getting tasting that. them side by side. It's, it's like. A and quiet, then having crazy. that on Kyoto. Yeah. Right. Like
1: all those different ways you can experience that bean is just so incredible. Like if you can pair those things together and, and see what that bean does based on Drew's 17 podcast on extraction coming up. Yes. Like that same bean roasted the exact same way, extracted all these different ways and you get all these different levels of beauty out of it.
0: Yeah. No. Agreed. Um. Because I have anything else to add to this roast style? I thought this has been a pretty good summary of just what we're trying to accomplish here at Upshot. And we just want to give you guys some sort of clarity on, on if, if you walk in and you're like, why is it so expensive or why is it roasted like this? Or why am I getting some acidity here? And that I, I would rather have just an, a, a roast like flavor. Like th- we just want to give you guys some transparency of why we do things. And that's the whole point of this podcast is just to peel back some layers and to give you guys some understanding of what we're thinking about over at the roastery.
1: Well, I think the whole point of this communication of this podcast, too, is letting people know that, you know, we want you to come in the cafe and have that conversation experience. And we don't want you to go, oh, that's not for me because I've never drank that. Right. Yeah, yeah. We really want to communicate that we want people to come in and have experiences in our cafe and have conversations and and learn about coffee with us and not just never walk in the door because you think it's not for you.
0: Agree. Agree. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the second episode. Stay tuned to listen to our third about green coffee sourcing. There will be a lot of good uh, information there. But uh, hope you guys all have a good week, and we will see you soon. Peace. See you,
2: guys.